0: This episode is brought to you by The Copywriter Club in Real Life, our live event in San Diego, March 12th through the 14th. Get your tickets now at thecopywriterclub.com forward slash IRL.
1: What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Kira and I do every week at The Copywriter Club podcast.
0: You're invited to join the club for episode 177 as we chat with social media strategist Andrea Jones about creating impact in social media channels like Instagram and LinkedIn, creating sales funnels that start in social media, why copywriters need to spend more time in this important channel, and the things she's done to uplevel her business.
2: Welcome, Andrea. Hey, Andrea. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you guys today. I know. We're excited to talk about social media
0: because we've done well in certain areas in social media, but there are other areas where we are lacking in the bad, club. So bad. Super bad. You know, because we've talked about it before, Andrea. So why don't we start this off with your story and talk about how you ended up as a social media strategist?
2: Yes. I love this question because uh, I met my husband on YouTube. Oh,
1: wow. Social media is a game changer is what you're saying.
2: It literally has changed my life. Um, but I am an early adapter to social media. I actually happen to like it. And I um, you know, started a blog back in 2004. I was making YouTube videos in 2007, way before it was cool. And my friends thought I was insane. Um, and so social media for me is just a really fun way for an introvert like myself to show up in a way that's still doesn't drain my energy. Uh, So I started out on social media as fun, but it wasn't until I actually moved to live with my YouTube husband in 2014 when I started the business. So with that move, I needed something to do. I moved to a completely different country from Atlanta, Georgia to Toronto, Canada. Um, And so that big move helped me launch my business. And I was amazed when I started digging into the freelancing world, how many people didn't understand social media since I had a natural love for it and how my clients were just grateful and thankful that they didn't have to think about it anymore. So my start in this world came from a very organic space.
1: And tell us more about that. You know What were the things that you started doing as you were starting this business in social media?
2: Yeah, I started off doing all of the things. Um, I was actually doing a lot of things on Fiverr. You guys know Fiverr. Um, So I was writing a Facebook post for $5. um, And that actually got my start into it. And once I was doing those kind of little piecemeal things, I noticed that there there was a big space for people who needed this consistently. So it's one of those things where um, it's 24-7. Clients need it all of the time. And so I really leaned into that. And that's where I got my start building out a monthly retainer package and really helping clients that way. So I started off doing kind of random little things, but ended up um, kind of settling into something that was uh, more of a long term plan.
0: So I want to know how you met your husband on YouTube. Let's talk about that first. (laughs) Like, how did you meet your husband on YouTube? Just tell us
2: the love story there. So I was making these like vlog style videos about my life. uh, And he was doing these comedy, like angry ranting videos. Um, And at the time, we were both looking to grow our like little YouTube communities. And so we were collaborating with different people, um, much like we're doing today on this podcast episode. And so we did a YouTube video together virtually. And then we just kept talking. And I thought he was actually kind of annoying at first. I was like, why does he keep talking to me? Um, but yeah, the rest, they say, is history. I, I went to visit him in Toronto first, and then he came to Atlanta to visit me. And uh, we moved fairly quickly. From the time that we met to the time that I moved in was about like eight months. Wow. That's fast. Okay.
1: But it works. So let's define social media just a little bit because I have a feeling that it's a little bit broader than what we often think about, you know, Facebook, Instagram, you know, maybe Twitter, YouTube, like how, how broad does it go? And what does it include? Is it, would you include like email and, and, uh, you know, webinars and all this kind of stuff, or where do you draw the lines?
2: Yeah. So for me, social media is really uh, public communities online. So you're absolutely right with things like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, Things that are on the line are like YouTube and Pinterest. They're almost a little bit of a search engine more than a a social media network, but they're still kind of included in that bundle. Um, Even platforms like TikTok or Snapchat are still considered social media because you're connecting with people, but in a more public fashion. I think once we start getting um, into email and webinars, it's kind of like further down the funnel. Um, and it's still considered digital marketing, but I wouldn't necessarily consider it social media.
0: All right. So I'd love to hear more of a state of the union on social media today, just as far as like your perspective on how it's evolved, even just over the last year or two, because it's changed dramatically. And just like where it is today, what's working today for your clients, Um, What we should know about where social media is today, especially if we haven't used it in our business and we're like on there occasionally um, socially in our own personal lives.
2: Yeah. So I think with this kind of digital world that we live in, social media is a great opportunity to reach a lot of people, but still make it feel custom. So you're still making it feel like you understand the people in your community intimately, and you're able to connect with them in that way. So that's one of the biggest shifts I've seen in social media today is that it's not like a billboard where you're trying to reach as many people as possible. It's not like a television commercial where it's so neutral, you're trying not to offend anybody, but where social media, you can get really specific in your vertical and specifically talk to individual people. And so I think that's one of the biggest shifts that's happened recently in the past year or so. And a lot of people are using uh, things like video and Instagram stories to kind of dictate that shift and really help uh, help people feel really connected to them and their their message
1: how do you do that so you know if if the key change to social media is really understanding your audience what are the things that you can do you know to understand all of these people who say follow you so for example you know we have an Instagram uh, for the Copywriter club we're, we're terrible at posting there but I know that there are several hundred or a couple of thousand people who have uh, you know opted in to follow us but we don't always know who they are or you know what they're thinking other than they've expressed an interest in following our page. So how do we get to know them? What Are, are there tools or is it just a, a long game of you know, back and forth conversations? What can we do to, to increase that engagement?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, so I like to use the analogy of dating here, where like when you first meet someone, sometimes it's that little awkward dance, you know, of like, is this going to work? So I think social media can feel like that sometimes. But the reason that, you know, things like dating works, like how do you find your person is there's almost like an energetic match with that person. Like even if you don't fully understand whether they prefer chocolate or vanilla ice cream, you kind of relate to them on an energetic level. So I think if you're looking at your own uh, Instagram account and you're obviously attracting copywriters, start to post things that really connect and resonate with the copywriting world. Specifically, look at the feeling behind some of the challenges that they have and the feeling behind some of the successes that they have. So as a copywriter, for instance, um, you may be able to look at um, something that recently happened and add comments on top of it that relates to copywriters. So maybe there was like a TV commercial that had a faux pas in it that copywriters would never make. And so you could put that on social media because it's very relatable to your space. Or maybe you could talk about... Um, the feeling of like sitting down and opening up your Google Doc to write something and your mind goes blank. And where do you draw your inspiration from? We've all had those moments. And so by being able to use those moments, almost like those commonalities on social media, you can open the door to connecting with your community in such a unique way that makes them feel heard. And that makes them feel like they're a part of something because you're all kind of feeling the same thing. Does that make sense?
0: No, that totally makes sense. So let's say that you know, you're know you working with a new client and it happens to be a copywriter. Um, how do you advise them or like what, how do you work with them and help them figure out where to start? Because I think the biggest issue for me is just the overwhelm kicks in. I actually think social media can be fun. I love Instagram. It's just overwhelm kicks in where everything else feels like a priority and pulls me away. So if I could only focus on one channel, maybe that's the best approach. What do you recommend for clients, copywriters who are coming in and trying to make this improvement and change and start showing up, um, but feel that overwhelm too?
2: Yeah, absolutely. We all feel it, number one. Uh, even those of us who do social media for the living, we all feel it. Um, and so if we think of this, I'll use another analogy like. Working out. So, if you're going to go to the gym, I don't know about you guys, but I feel completely overwhelmed by just the number of machines that are at the gym. I'm always like, how do I know what I'm working on today? And what really helps for me is to have a plan, to get um, someone to show me how to use the machines, that sort of thing. So, the same thing works for social media. If you can give yourself a plan or something to work towards, then that can be very helpful. But a lot like going to the gym, you're not going to see muscles at the end of the very first day at the gym. Even if you spend five hours at the gym, you're not going to get all of those muscles. It's like a daily practice. That's how you build up your muscle. So it's the same for social media. And so oftentimes with my clients and with my students, I recommend giving yourself a time limit uh, of one hour a week to create your social media content. So the first time you sit down to do that one hour a week, you may just get one social media post done. That's fine, that's like lifting a five pound weight. Great, good for you. You started, you got somewhere. So the next time you're gonna like increase that and see how much farther you can go. And before you know it, you'll be getting three posts a week out and five posts a week out. And so by kind of batching your social media content creation, you're allowing yourself to build up the muscles of consistently creating. Now, within that one hour, there's quite a few things you can do. So I usually recommend starting with a balance of posts. So start with something that that showcases your expertise. Usually that's a good piece of advice, like a tip or you can share a story from a client. Um, so it's a really great place to start for service-based business like a copywriter. Um, the other thing you can do is ask for a next step. So for instance, if you are a copywriter and you're looking for clients, you can ask for people to actually book a console call with you or book uh, or email you, for instance, if they want to book with you. But in order to get that, you need to help them understand the transformation. So you probably understand that as a copywriter, you know, helping people understand their needs and how what you provide solve those needs. So break that down into like a little bite sized version, like a mini cupcake version of that and put that on social media. And so those two types of posts are a really good place to start. And if you can start building up the habit of posting those things consistently, you can start layering some other advantages. Strategies as you go.
1: So I can see myself uh, trying this in a couple of different social media, medium, media, but it's probably gonna be different, right? So LinkedIn, for example, is uh gonna be maybe more text-based and Instagram is gonna be maybe more image-based. And when I especially when I think about Instagram, I think about the grid and how there are so many nice Instagrams out there that, you know, that have this beautiful grid where they stagger, you know, sometimes it's a, a photo post versus words and it's so well designed. At what point does design really come into play here or or should we just launch and get started with messaging and not worry about that
2: Yeah. So I have mixed feelings about the grid. Um, And I think a lot of people may disagree with me, but I just don't think it's as important. I do think you need to have a theme to what you're doing. Absolutely. And so a lot of my clients and students who are just starting out, I recommend using something like canva.com and create a few different styles of like text-based designs that you can use, almost like mini flyers that you can use on Instagram. And that's usually really good place to start. Uh, But the actual grid, not as important as your message. But if you're excited about that and you really want to go into creating and designing a beautiful grid, absolutely go for it. Just make sure your message is clear first and then you can go into designing the grid. And there's a lot of tools that can help you lay it it out. Um, One of my favorites is Later.com where you can actually plan your social media posts based on how it's going to look on the Instagram grid. Um, Just remember that the people who are looking at your grid. So the people who actually click on over to your profile to view it that way typically are potential followers. So they found you through a hashtag or through someone else. Um, Or they're people looking for that link in the bio. So they're already following you and they're looking to click a link. So if it's important to those two people for the grid to look great, then go for it. But otherwise, most of the time, 90% of the time, people are looking at your posts in the feed mixed in with other posts.
0: Okay. And what is the bare minimum you feel like we could post and share maybe on different channels, like walking through a couple of the different channels? Because I could post once a week, but at some point I'm like, it's not even worth it because it's just once a week. So why do it at all? Um, But maybe, maybe like the bare minimum once a week is better than nothing. So... What would that look like on, you know, Facebook versus LinkedIn versus um, Instagram versus whatever else you want to share?
2: Yeah. So that's a good question. And I think that once a week is actually okay, as long as you're consistent about it. So a lot of these platforms are looking for consistent posting consistency. On a platform like LinkedIn, you can actually get away with a lot less. Uh, Posts just tend to kind of live a lot longer on that platform. So if you're posting on something like Facebook and Instagram, you may notice like the first day or two, your post is getting likes and comments and then after that, you don't really see any action on your posts. But on LinkedIn, you may still see action on your posts after like four or five days. Um, so once a week is okay. It's a good place to start. But I'd like for you to try to move up in weights. It's almost like staying at the five-pound weight forever. Like it's okay. It's a good place to start. But eventually, you want to start getting to 10 pounds and 20 pounds <laughs> and moving on <laughs> up. Uh, so Do I? My, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. If you want muscles, it's... Uh, it's it's almost like um, staying at five pound weight and being like, man, I'm not getting any muscles. It's like, well, I mean, you're getting what you're putting into it, you know? Yeah, that so, makes sense.
1: So are there things that we should be doing then t- that will work better, that will garner more attention or uh, that we can do in order to grow our audience as we get started?
2: Yeah. So audience growth is a lot like the dating analogy. So you're putting yourself out there. And so oftentimes when we're approaching social media, we get really excited about our own content and we post that and then we sit back and wait for people to notice it. When oftentimes on social media, we kind of have to put ourselves out there. Um, You know, if we're talking about the dating analogy, it's like sitting and waiting and hoping that the mailman is your one person because they're the only person showing up and knocking at your door. Yeah,
1: that's not going to go very well.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So put yourself out there. And there's a number of ways you can do this. On platforms like Instagram, it's maybe scrolling through some hashtags and trying to find people to connect. Um, Or even better, looking at someone who is an authority in your space. So an example for me would be... Maybe like at Amy Porterfield, going and looking at her latest post and who's commenting and connecting with her. Who are her audience members? Because they're likely also going to be interested in what I have to offer. So how can I get their attention? And again, similar to dating, we're not like running up to them and going, "Marry me, you're the one," because that's you know a bit aggressive. Uh, but we're just saying, "Hey, we're here. You're here. Let's you know at least make some eye contact first or exchange numbers first before we you know hop into bed with each other or whatever the case may be." So take it slow, start meeting people and start putting yourself out there on social media. And it is a long game. You want to do this in like little bits every day so that you don't exhaust yourself with it. Um, I find this better, too, because I'm introverted. There's only so much connecting I can do in one day. So I usually spend no more than 30 minutes a day just proactively looking for people who could potentially be interested in what I have to offer. Okay. So I'm just, you know,
0: I know some copywriters are skeptical and more contrarian like me. And I know social media is important and that's why we're talking to you. But there are all these voices in my head that just like click in and say, you know, who, like no one actually cares about your Instagram post and and that story. So there's that voice that I know is common. And then there's the other voice. It's just like, okay, everyone kind of, looks the same. Like they're talking about the same stuff. They're using the same pictures. And I know that's not true for everyone. Um, but there is like, there is this look, especially on Instagram and like a a voice and tone of voice on LinkedIn. So I guess, what would you say to those two voices about who, you know, who cares what I have to say? And then also everyone looks the same. Like, what's the point? How do you actually stand out on social media? So people pay attention.
2: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I think that voice almost comes from a place of fear. That's what I would guess is that you're, you're comparing yourself to other people on social media and saying, what do I have to offer that's different from them? And it almost sounds a little bit like a reflection on the business. I mean, there's so many copywriters out there. Why would someone hire you? And so if you can think about yourself as being different and as having something different to offer, I think that could be very valuable to you on social media. Um, in the technical way, I think this shows up as just sharing stories that you've experienced. So yes, things can look the same on Instagram. There is a certain aesthetic to it that kind of feels a little bit repetitive. Um, so how can you bring Something different to the table in your message, in the actual caption. Another way to do this is using things like video or Instagram stories where people are connecting with you because they see your face. They're connecting with you because of you. And so if you can show up and share a perspective, even if it's similar to the next person, but you're sharing it in your own voice, that can actually help set you apart from everything else that's in the feed. Um, So I hope that helps answer that question for you.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's a solid answer. So Obviously, you know, we can be on social media, we can garner the attention, we can build an audience, but ultimately for at least most of our listeners, and certainly for us, we want this to lead to business. So how do we, you know, turn social media into um, a lead generation vehicle for our businesses or or what, what do we need to do in order to create a funnel or a campaign out of the things that we're doing on social media?
2: Yes, So there's a few aspects to building out a social media funnel. And oftentimes for service-based business owners like ourselves, we're actually using our funnel for partnerships. So I don't know about you guys, but my ideal client does not have time for social media. That's why they hire me. So oftentimes they're not on social media at all. And so for me, I'm looking for the people who are servicing those same clients. So web designers, copywriters like yourselves, um, PR strategists, people who have the same clients as me. And for me, it's getting them on a call. So my funnel looks like um, going out and finding them, letting them know that I'm an expert in my field by posting consistently on my topic and then getting to know them a little bit. Usually I like to respond through Instagram stories. Like if they're posting stories, I'll try to respond to their stories through direct messages. And then at some point, I'll say, hey, let's hop on a coffee chat. I think we have the same clients. I'd like to get to know you better. Okay, so again, a lot like dating. Um, so if you're a copywriter and you're thinking about how to use social media to get more clients, consider the partnership angle. Sometimes that doesn't feel as aggressive as going directly after your ideal client. Now, if you are going after your ideal client through social media... One thing I would recommend is just having it very clear what you want that client to do. Like how should they contact you to work with you? and it may seem very obvious, but social media is almost like an interruption game. Like we're interrupting people with our posts, they weren't looking for us. So if they do find our posts, how can we make it so very crystal clear on what they're supposed to do with this information? And this is what I call the next step. So again, that can be booking a call with you, it could be sending you an email, but it also could be as simple as sending you a direct message. So if you're writing a post about what you offer, and again, highlighting that transformation, just really make sure you have it crystal clear. Like, direct message me if this sounds like something you're interested, in or if you have questions or anything like that. Um, so, those are kind of some of the the pieces of building out that sales funnel. The final piece of the sales funnel that I do want to highlight is the phase that I call the advocate phase, and this is where you can eventually sit back and relax. And this is where we're all. Going, like we're all aiming for this phase because, yes, it does sound like a lot of work, um, similar to building muscles. Like, yes, you still have to go to the gym when you already have muscles, but it's almost like a maintenance mode, right? So, what's the maintenance mode version of uh, doing your social media strategy? And it's actually having your clients do it for you. So if you can have testimonials on platforms like LinkedIn and recommendations on uh, Facebook, or you can have your clients give you shout outs and Instagram stories, that will actually start to feed your funnel for you. And so you can kind of take a break a little bit on doing a lot of these kind of networking and outreach strategies.
0: Yeah, I love those ideas. And especially thinking about reaching out to partners on social media rather than clients, because you're right. I mean, most of the clients I would reach out to aren't their team members are running their social media, they're not actually running it. So um, once you get a potential partner on a call with you, how do you handle that conversation so that um, it is successful? And I know this is getting into the weeds here. But what does a script like that look like for you?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I did this recently looking for um, partners in the podcasting space. So I developed a framework that works really well with podcasters. And so I just started reaching out to editors. I started reaching out to people who book people on podcasts. And I just wanted to say, hey, we have the same clients. How can we send clients to each other? Um, And this is actually how I hired my own editor. We had such a great conversation. I was like... I need to hire you. Like, I know I'm supposed to be like talking about sending you clients, but I'm going to be your client. And so, just going into those conversations with a little bit of openness can help. And I will say, be prepared for rejection. Um, I would say, like, nine out of 10 of those conversations didn't go anywhere. Um, That's okay again, a lot like dating actually. Um, But it's just that one conversation that I needed where I have a referral partner who consistently sends me so much business. We send each other business that it made those other 9 conversations that didn't go anywhere totally fine. I'm totally fine with it because the one conversation worked out. Um, So I don't really have a script per se. But I would say just go into it with a a sense of openness and um, be, be ready to give as well as to receive.
1: I want to ask, where does this stuff go wrong? Andrea, where have you seen your mistake? I mean, short of people posting inappropriate things in social media or saying, you know, dumb things like where, what are the pitfalls that we really need to look out for and avoid?
2: Some of the pitfalls that are extremely common are spending too much time on social media. So there's almost a little bit of like, a lot of diminishing returns when it comes to social media. After a certain point, it's just not worth it. Um, so I had a student recently go through one of my courses, really excited, spent the whole weekend on Instagram, like going through hashtags, liking, commenting. And she was exhausted by the end of the weekend, was like, I got like two followers. This doesn't make any sense. And I was like, yeah, that that's too much. You're doing way too much. Uh, so sometimes it is... A pitfall to do too much for social media. So I do want you to think about that. Pace yourself. Too much of a good thing can be bad. Um, some of the other things that I've seen as well is that that fuzzy line between sharing something that's personal on social media versus something that is professional. Uh, so it does kind of depend on your um, own level of comfort. But sometimes we can go too far with the personal shares on social media. Media and it can backfire, Um, especially in today's climate. There's just, it's very politically charged. There's a lot of sensitivity happening right now online. So you just have to be very careful about what you say. Um, And for me personally, I just like to keep it professional and I don't kind of um, get involved in anything like that. But if you do, just kind of go slowly, be very careful about the things that you say.
0: Okay. Can we also talk about? Different styles of showing up on social media, because again, I think this is what holds some people back. Um, even just like introverts, oftentimes where they see a certain style showing up, and it's like it's it could be an extrovert who's just like sharing a ton of information, or like people who have bigger personalities, really strong, bold voices. But not everyone has a similar voice. So, do you have almost like different archetypes of um, personalities that show up on social media? Uh, just to show that there's not one way of doing it. There are multiple ways you can approach it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I just like to say, I like if you f- if you feel like Gary V is like an awesome representation of what can happen on social. <laughs> like I'm not going to teach you that method. I don't. I don't know where he gets his. And enemies. that works for some people. <laughs> I
0: mean, yeah, a and team it's great of 40 for some people. people,
2: right? Yeah. That's so true. that helps. I think that 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 method of showing up online absolutely works for some people, but if they if they feel like that's natural for them, they oftentimes don't need guidance on social media. Like the people who need help are usually like my introverts or the people who like their mind goes blank when they open up the Instagram app and they don't know what to say. Those are my people. And so I just kind of only help that category of people, if that makes sense. And it sounds like a lot of listeners may relate to that. And so if you do relate to that, I I wanna just let you know that you don't have to put your face on social media. You don't have to take a selfie. You don't have to like hop on Instagram stories and point the camera at your face. You don't have to do any of those things. (laughs) So it's okay. You don't have to do that. But instead of showing your face, I want you to see if you can share your perspective through words. And I actually think as copywriters, you have an advantage over everyone else because this is your skill set. So how can you show up through words? And there's a lot you can do even with platforms like Instagram, where you can maybe use some text on even just a white background and say a powerful phrase. And that way you don't even need a stock photo or anything like that. You're just using the power of words. And there's a lot of connection that's still available to you without having to be Gary Vee.
1: So Andrea as you're working with clients how deeply do you go into brand voice as they start to engage on social media and I'm thinking about some um, maybe like really well-known examples like say the Wendy's Twitter account which is incredibly snarky and maybe even off-putting at some point uh, versus you know some of the very personal uh, things that people share on Instagram and and Twitter you know when they're getting very vulnerable so Like, what what is the process for thinking through what is the voice for my social media account? And does that differ depending on how personal a business is or the kind of business that I want to grow?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I'll say like the Wendy's and the Taco Bells of the world, they have like a team of comedy writers (laughs) behind those accounts. So um, I don't try to compete on that level. But there is a challenge sometimes getting into the voice of the clients, which is why uh, my recent campaign, I mentioned going after podcasters, because you guys have your voice on your show, and you just haven't figured out how to harness that into social media posts yet. So for me, going after a client who has that almost like a pillar content piece, a podcast, a Facebook live show, a YouTube show, a blog even, I'm able to go in and study that in such a way that I can identify their key phrases, identify things that are of value to them and are important to them, and use that to fuel social media posts. So a kind of real life example. Um, one of my clients is the Life Coach School, and Brooke Castillo has a very distinct perspective on the world, and she teaches things in a very distinct way. And so, my team and I actually went through and combed through her podcast archives to be able to show up on social media in such a way that people think that they're talking to Brooke, even though they're talking to a social media agency. So. It's things like that that can really help uh, illustrate voice on social media as if you've got that kind of pillar content piece. If you don't, it is a challenge. It is very hard to kind of get into the minds of clients. And you guys may relate to this as copywriters. Um, There's a lot of things we can do through intake forms and that sort of thing. Um, But oftentimes, it's just having a lot of conversations with the clients to really understand their perspective and get their voice.
0: Okay. So... Let's say my business is growing, I'm a copywriter, I've got revenue, um, I can make some investments. When should I outsource my social media? When is a really good time to think about it if I'm someone who wants to outsource it? Which, by the way, I am someone who wants to outsource it and like sign me up. That sounds great. Um, so, when is that sweet spot where you could start thinking about it? And then, of course, I have a bunch of questions about like how much that costs working with the team, and we can get into the weeds, but.
2: Yeah. So um, typically, it's best to actually invest in other areas first. So I know I'm kind of talking myself out of job a little bit, but um, there's some <laughs> there's some areas that are almost more important to invest in first before social media. Things like PR or even a Facebook ad strategist is kind of a good first step for an investment. So if okay. you're already investing in those areas, then I would say, yes, it's a good time to start looking at investing in social media as well. Um, if you Still need to outsource it. I would look at first like getting someone on your team to help, like maybe a VA or maybe uh, an OBM or someone who can just help streamline things for you. Um, and so there's a few people who I actually recommend them kind of that one hour a week, like just brain dumping into a Google Doc, and then having a VA go in and put it where it needs to go. Sometimes that's a really good first step. So it's still your voice, it's still your words on social media, but you don't actually have to remember to go. Post it to Instagram, or you don't have to actually create a graphic to go with it. And sometimes those little things can help. Um, but if you're ready to outsource it, look at your own systems as well. So, do you have a process in place for creating content consistently? Um, is your website complete? And is there a way that someone can look at it and easily understand what you do? Because those are some of the elements that you'll need to have in place in order for someone else to come in and be able to basically be you. On social media OK. And then,
0: what should I look for when hiring a social media strategist? Like let's say I'm beyond my VA posting, so I'm at the next level. What should I look for in a social media strategist or in a team? and like what are some numbers? Like I know it's all over, but what should I expect as far as paying someone to um, manage my social media?
2: Yeah. So if you're ready to start the first thing I'd like to see is an example of what they've done. They've done. Even if it's their own accounts. They should be able to show something. And so that's a really good first step. Um, There are NDAs in place, and I get that, um, but there's still a way you should be able to showcase your work in some way. Um, The second thing is about the numbers, just like forget anything you've ever heard about numbers. There's no way to predict it. I've had clients in the exact same industry who get wildly different results on social media. Um, So oftentimes I'm comparing a client to themselves. Um, So when we're first starting, I'm looking at their own data, and then making an educated guess based on that. So if someone says they can get you a certain number of followers or a certain number of leads, I would just be a little bit uh, weary about it, unless they're very familiar with the industry and familiar with the space enough that you feel confident to move forward with them. Um, The last thing I would look for is less tangible. And that's just an energetic connection with the person or the team who's going to be helping you on social media. So they are your first point of contact oftentimes with your audience, especially new audience members. So Kira, Rob, let's say you go on and be a guest on another podcast and someone listens to you, they're probably going to go to your Facebook or your Instagram to check out the Copywriter Club. So whoever's running those accounts has to kind of get you guys. Um, And so that's a really great way to know if you have the right person is if they kind of understand you and you, you feel like you have a connection with them. Because they're going to be your first line of defense for new people coming in. And so you want to make sure that that person uh, kind of represents you in a really good way.
1: And what should we expect to pay a social media uh, consultant to help us. So, um, I, I tend to be relatively cheap, and so you know I want to spend as little as possible. But I can imagine that that could actually hurt my strategy going forward. In fact, I might not only start with somebody who's a beginner, but somebody who may not have uh, any idea of what they're doing. So, you know, what does an engagement look like, and what would we get for you know a, a typical engagement? And I, I I know this is also all over the board. That there are different size packages and that kind of thing, but. You know, if we were just starting out, what should we expect there?
2: Yeah. So there's almost different levels or tiers to this. Um, and so if you're looking at someone who is maybe like a VA who's trained in social media, you're going to have to give them a lot of guidance, but that's going to come at a, a less cost. So you're maybe looking at between 500 to to 1000 a month. Um, if you're looking at a social media manager, so they're going to completely take over your accounts, you're looking at 1000 plus a month. Um, I consider myself a strategist. So I I oftentimes am playing a lot with entire marketing teams and making sure that social media aligns with Facebook ads, aligns with email marketing. Um, I analyze things like Google Analytics to make sure that what we're doing on social media is actually translating into results for the clients. And so that comes at a little bit higher cost. Um, so my packages, for instance, start at 1500 a month and go up from there. So it really just depends on what that other person is bringing to the table. And you really want to make sure when they're presenting their packages, that you understand that. Because if you're paying more than $1,500 a month for social media and you still have to tell someone what to post, you're paying too much. They should not be that involved as a client. You should be able to go, here's my big idea. And then the social media manager or strategist should be able to take that and run with it. You don't have to babysit them. Um, So it's kind of a sliding scale depending on where you are in that range.
0: I'd love to hear more about your team, you know, just checking out your website it looks like you, you have a, a big team, you're working with big name clients like Brooke Castillo. So can you talk about the structure of your team and also just advice for growing and managing a team?
2: Yes. So I learned this the hard way. Highly do not recommend doing what I did, but I feel like I spent all of 2017. It was like the dark days of my business, hiring and firing. Um, Being that all of my team is virtual, um, I found that the energetic match is way more important than the skill set, so there was a lot of people who I hired in the beginning who were talented, but we butted heads they did not want to do the the things the same way that I wanted to do them um, and I hired people who were very affordable, but to get them to show up for work was nearly impossible, especially since <laughs> I'm not in the same space as them um, so I found a really good kind of level um, people who were smart, maybe they didn't know everything about social media, but I can teach them that. But they're willing to show up and work hard and they care about our clients just as much as I do. And that's not something I can train. Um, So for me, it's starting out with that in mind. So I hired, I fired a lot. Um, I found that it helps to just have a really good job description. Like, write out everything you need. Like, I actually had to start putting in job descriptions. If you ever say that's not part of my job description, it's not a good fit because I need people who are chameleons who can put on a million different hats because we do a lot of things for our clients. And if you ever say that's not part of my job, then I'm sorry, you're not going to be a good fit on the team. Um, so that's kind of helped me find the right people. Um, so my team, how it's structured structured now is I've got two account managers who are amazing. Um, One's been with me since 2016. One's been with me since 2017. And they handle a lot of the day-to-day aspects of our client work. They manage a lot of the communication with the client. Um, I get to be the strategist. So I get to be the big picture picture visionary. I help put together the client's um, strategies and that sort of thing in their reports. Um, And then my team implements. So we also have a project manager who helps make sure that we're not missing any of the moving pieces. Um, We've got a social media assistant who helps kind of manage an inbox and all the comments that come in. And she helps us actually post the post as well. Um, We've got a graphic designer and a writer, a video editor as well. Um, And so that took quite a few years to put together a team of that size. But I'm really proud of where we are today. Um, So yeah, that's, that's my team in a nutshell.
1: And in addition to getting the right people on your team, what else have you done in your business that has really taken you to the next level?
2: Masterminding. I cannot say masterminding enough because being in the room with people who get it, and having a mentor who's walked the same space that you're about to walk is so so valuable. It's more valuable than a course, it's more valuable than anything else. And so that's the one thing that I always recommend to anyone as they're going through any stage of their business is see if you can get into a group setting. Yes, I like one-on-one work that can be very helpful, but there's something about learning in a group setting that's just so 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 powerful and it's it's how I've made some of the biggest moves I've ever made in my business is just by being connected to the right people and kind of learning and growing with them.
0: All right. So my last question for you, I know we're running out of time and we have a bunch of other questions to ask, but what does the future of social media look like to you?
2: Oh, so I see actually a lot of people shifting more into direct messaging. Um, So I think that just like some of the fears you brought up today is that we're going to start pulling away from posting so much online and we're going to kind of go back to -to one-to-one conversation. And so I see the future of social media really kind of diving into that. And any of these platforms that are tuned into that are going to be the most successful ones. So something like um, Facebook Messenger, they're starting to add in a lot of features or um, something like even um, Instagram Messenger, where you can send voice messages to people where it feels like you're like walkie talkie talking back, to a, back and forth with each other. I think those kinds of things are going to be very powerful. And I'm excited to see how some of these platforms um, involve their social media even
1: more. So Andrea, what's next in your business? You've built this great team. You're working with fantastic clients. What comes next?
2: Yes, so my pet project right now is my membership site. It's called the Savvy Social School, and I teach social media strategies. Uh, But within that, we are working on a program specifically for social media managers. So as I mentioned, the past few years, I developed a framework that works really well with our clients. They're very happy when we kind of take our framework and apply it to their accounts. And I've had a lot of social media managers reach out and say, hey, how can I do the same thing for my clients? So that's what we're developing next. I'm really excited for that. It's probably going to come out Q2 of 2020, um, but it's still in development and that's kind of what I'm working on next.
0: All right. So if our listeners want to get in touch with you or want to just check out your programs and your membership, where should they go?
2: Yes. You can find me online at onlinedrea.com. And I'm also on Instagram at onlinedrea. That's where I tend to hang out the most, especially stories. And if you message me, I will send you a voice message back. That's kind of like my favorite thing. Yes.
1: I'm going to go message you right now. I want a voice (laughs) message.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This podcast
0: is our voice message. Um, All right, Andrea, thank you so much. I feel like This is just another reminder that Rob and I need to step it up with our social media. Um, But this was really helpful and um, some really practical advice to help us do that and to help other copywriters. So thank you for taking the time to spend with us today.
1: Thanks, Andrea.
2: Thank you so much for having me.